2: This is the Pro Audio Suite podcast, Quick Bytes. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite, Quick Bytes. Uh, this one is a quick bite talking about Trojans and threats online. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I had a threat email saying if I didn't pay 871 euros in Bitcoin to this character, he would release photographs and all sorts of information off my computer to all of my database. Which I must admit was a bit scary. Anyway, to uh, discuss this problem, we have Robert Marshall in Chicago. Hello. And we have George Whitam in Los Angeles. Hi there, everybody. And let me
0: apologize in advance for my less than you know stellar sound quality as I sit in an apartment using an Audio-Technica ADTR twenty one hundred USB dynamic microphone. So it's not my usual, but hopefully I'm coming through five by
2: five. It sounds all right to me. I have to say.
1: Sounds Good. better than my 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 bell mic,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it Boom. rings like a bell. It, it does
1: ring Boom. like a bell. Is it doing yeah. it right
2: now? Boom. Yep. Boom.
0: Just a bit. There it goes. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a ringing away.
1: There
0: you go. So, so Andrew, what did you do
2: when you got the? How did you receive the threat? Was it by email? Yeah, well, yeah, I did. But it was funny because it goes back a few months ago. I got this thing, and I can't remember what it was, but it said something about updating your virus antivirus stuff and for some stupid reason I clicked on it and then all of a sudden it was like going on my laptop so I dumped everything and that was that then I had so you were phished was that
1: was that what you call phishing Andrew or Robert or is that something else phishing is when they send you an email that is um, like pretending to be pretending to be something it's not and getting like like pretending to be a trusted party when it's not a trusted party right and then you click on the link, trusting them. Like often the thing to do when you get a phishing email is like, all right, I just got an email from XYZ provider. Instead of clicking on the link, just go directly over to their website, typing in their name and log in and see what they have to say to you that way without right. using any link that's sort of shoved in your face.
2: Right, mm-hmm. but the scary thing about this was then I received an email, which was quite a long email. It was saying, "Look, I know who you are. Here's here's your email address, which was correct, and here is one of your logins, which was or passwords, which was also correct." Um, that's when I thought, mm, "This is getting a bit scary now." So, basically, I've sent the computer off to be cleaned out to make sure nothing, no trojans in there. But being a Mac, I'm told. You can't get a Trojan on a Mac anyway, is that correct? I don't think that's correct.
1: Mac is a computer. Now, maybe there's not as many people writing them for Mac, or there's they're not as common, but you know, a Mac is a computer and a Trojan is just a program. So
0: Yeah, I mean the fact is the matter the fact of the matter is that Mac is not as big a target because the world's financial institutions and governments and missile bases don't run on Mac. So it's just not as much of an incentive to be hacked. Um, it doesn't mean they aren't. Um, so if you're on Mac statistically, you're probably far safer. Um, you know, and that's why I think the likelihood of Andrew being, you know in danger is relatively low. It's still a gut it's still a gut thing that tells me that. But it's also the fact that another friend of mine has given me the exact same spiel. Um, she read this to me over the phone and it sounded exactly the same. And what freaks you out is that they do have a couple pieces of what you consider to be completely proprietary private info. And so when you hear it read read to you or written to you in an email, obviously you freak out.
2: You, yeah. It's very, it's scary. So, we all live on the internet these days. I mean, doing what we do, we, we're continually on the internet, receiving files and delivering files. What precautions can we take? Have you got any ideas? Well, it's it's weird because
1: I think part of it you have to think about like th- this particular um, you know email said that he, that they had access to your files, right? But you know, think about it. Where where are your files? Do, I mean, if if you go back, maybe you know back to like the early earlier 2000s everyone had a computer and they had everything inside that that computer even all their email you know like it was it used to be downloaded from the server and deleted from the server but now most people have an imap email account their email is coming in on multiple devices they've got um you know pictures on their phone pictures on their laptop pictures in the cloud and these these hackers are coming in saying we've We've got access to your stuff. It's like, well, which device do you have access to? And I think they're being vague because I think in a lot of the cases, they don't actually have anything. It's an email with hot air and a, uh, um, you know, a password that they've hacked from some database at a t- at a point in time. And this gives the perfect reason why you should always massage your passwords and not use the same password across multiple. Services.
0: Yeah, I mean, at once the threat's been received, it's already too late because now you're now you're thinking, well, if they have that password, what else do they have? But it is very very unlikely they have anything else. It's very likely they only have that one password. They probably bought a database, just like criminals buy credit card databases. They probably bought a database um, of of you know material. If that password is in that database and you're still using it for something that's important to you, shame on you. Um, you definitely should have changed your passwords by now. Um, I I will be I'll be completely honest. I'm just as lazy as the next guy, where I do use the same password over and over, but I use that on things non what I consider to be non critical, non banking, non financial institutions. Um, I use them for like, oh, this website needs my password also. My Airbnb needs a password, you know, stuff like that.
1: Um, yeah, thing, things where the damage is limited um, and your email is not one of those things because your email is a primary gateway of communication for you. So your email, right. your banking, your social media accounts, those are critical passwords. Um, you know, other any place where money can be spent, probably should be careful of it too I mean that, that obviously includes things like Amazon but even smaller websites like
0: or your Apple ID yeah
1: that's another one yeah, yeah. You, you have to keep your passwords moving is is the reality and uh, unfortunately I think it's getting to the point where it's harder and harder to deal with a memorable password and you start having to use systems where you know whatever it is um uh can't think of it now, but LastPass. I mean a mnemonic.
0: Oh, LastPass. LastPass. yeah, a password, those manager. Kinds
1: of, yeah a password manager, some service like that. You know, it's like it's a hassle, but after a while, it's the only way to deal with it.
0: Yeah, I've been using LastPass for oh man, at least five years, and um, it has two main functions. One, it's a data, it's a secure database of information, mostly your passwords, but you can put anything in there you want—credit cards, social security, whatever. Um, it's it's got some sort of insane level of encryption, like twenty forty eight bit or something crazy, um, but it's still secured with guess what, a password. A password, right? So the password you use to store all that data, it better be a damn good password. Or and
1: I use I use two factor authentication.
0: Yes, I thought maybe you could talk more about what that means because I know using Google. For a lot of things, as I do, two factor is becoming more common.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, real quickly. Well, any two factor authentication is where it requires essentially two moves to get in. Um, So, for example, the old days, two factor authentication was you had your key to the bank safe and the bank employee had their key. And without both keys being used, you weren't getting in. One key wasn't enough. So in the modern sense, a two-factor authentication might be that you log in, and when you log in, it says, I don't recognize this computer, or I haven't seen this particular computer for a while. So can you authenticate it? And it will authenticate by sending you a text message, maybe, or a message through some other channel that presumably only you know. So it could be a message through email, through text. It could be a phone call. You know, I think some systems literally use a phone call where you answer the call and they give you a number to enter back into the website and you've verified that you are the person uh, who has access to presumably the majority of the communication methods that they have on file for you for whatever service that is. Um, and it's a, yep. it's a pretty good way of locking in. Um, it's not foolproof. You can read articles about how apparently easy it is to get into text messaging. Um, and you know snoop in and listen to that stuff. so uh, but texting is a good one a phone call with a verbal um, you know read back is a is a pretty good one. That's kind of a hassle. A lot of this is weighing what's annoying and a hassle compared to what is secure.
0: you know yeah, this is what the realization is as as I deal with folks, especially on Apple because Apple does a pretty good job of really making sure they're stuff is private and secure, like to the point of being inconvenient. And I tell people when they're like, oh, I got to get this code and I got to wait for them to text me this six-digit code and then I have to do this. And what, I have to change my password now? This is so annoying. And yes, I agree. It's all annoying. But it's what keeps people's Apple accounts from, it's what keeps them pretty secure. Um, And the security is rarely convenient. Unfortunately, the more convenient things are for us, the more they are for the hackers. So we just have we do have to make use of these tools. Um, I it's, did have a service. The the yeah. It's the same as the airport.
1: It's the same as going through security at the airport. True. You Just got to deal with it.
0: Yeah, I, and I did have another bank system for my shopping cart for my website. I don't use it anymore, but it was really secure. And I had to use what they called the Google Authenticator
1: mm-hmm. to That's another get another two into factor.
0: It. Yeah, and so what an Authenticator does, at least in the case of Google Authenticator. Is every thirty seconds, it's a new password.
1: <laughs> so. Right, it's changing the number. If if you've ever had to deal with a bank account that's like, you know, like um, really secure, they will email you, or sorry, email you. They will physically mail you a thing that looks like a calculator, but it's literally synchronized with the same password that um, that is being used at that moment in time at the website. You know, what's really cool is where they came up with this. This came up out of World War II.
0: Cuz it's been around for uh, a very long time. Yes. Like this I, came I've from known a musician. people to have these for years now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: this whole concept actually came from a musician and it boils it comes down to a system called frequency hopping. And so the problem they had in World War II is they would send a torpedo and the torpedo was somehow communicating back to get instructions on where to go, and the other ship that was the target could jam that torpedo signal, and then the torpedo wouldn't know where to go, wouldn't hit the ship. So they made a torpedo that was basically, in a sense, the musician's idea in frequency hopping was that the torpedo has the same sheet of music that the broadcast information system has. And so right now we're transmitting on this frequency, literally this note. And in a second, we're going to transmit on this other frequency, which is another note. And as long as you know what the melody is, you can follow the transmission. Wow. And the other party can't because they don't have the music. Yeah. So, (laughs) Andrew, I mean,
0: circling, that's incredible. I mean, circling back, Andrew, so how did you react to receiving this? What did you do? What were your next steps?
2: Um, I deleted three of the emails and then got to the last one and thought, this is, Probably getting a bit scary now, so um, I sent my laptop off to the Apple Tech, and they're just cleaning up the um, cleaning up through with malware, just going through the, the laptop to make sure there's nothing in there. Um, the only thing that was kind of scary for me because I use PC and Mac, and every now and then something will arrive on the laptop via email that I need to actually transfer to my PC, which I do with USB sticks. So I'm kind of thinking I take the USB out the the Mac. Sticking stick it into the PC, and if there's something that's in there that gets onto the USB, I've now infected my um, recording system in the studio. So I'm kind of hoping that hasn't happened. But um, anyway, yep. we'll see. But it should be fine. You I should used...
1: see the craziness that a place like Disney has to go through. So you're you're in session in a place like Disney, and the producer says, hey, can you load this video file so you can read along with it? And it can't go straight into the computer that's in the room with you. They have to take it down the way, you know, within the lot to the ingest place where it literally looks like some sort of like, you know, clean room, and they make sure the USB disk has no viruses on it. Then they extract the file that 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 you want and they put it on a server, and then you're given a link to get that file from effectively that USB disk. It just had to go through their network of security. So it should take 30 seconds to grab it off a USB disk. Takes Thirty minutes to go through the process.
2: Now you had a you had a few issues with um, source elements in the beginning, didn't you? With uh, networks not wanting to transfer, like do connections yeah, via the internet.
1: We, we, we've had a number of studios that have been very concerned about the sort of peer to peer nature of the connections, and um, generally those are much harder to hack because you have to know, you know, and it depends on how the studios deal with their security. But with some of the um, you know, like really tight studios would do is they would say, okay, who are we connecting with tomorrow? It's so and so studio. Okay, find out what their public IP address is. So they wouldn't let like ports to flow in from anywhere. They would specifically say, okay, we're expecting a connection from this IP address. We'll let it through. Even maybe down to the hour of when they'll let it through. And they make their connection and then they close the connection off. Or the other thing they would do is that they would put the source kind of computer on Essentially, just an appliance computer. So, if someone hacked it, it's like, congratulations, you just hacked a Mac Mini. <laughs> yes, <laughs> There's nothing okay. here for you. Like, yeah. and then the only thing connecting that Mac to the production system where that has all their, you know, really valuable assets, and that is also connected to the rest of their network, is a pair of audio cables, which really can't be hacked. Um, certainly not analog cables. And hacking an AES cable would be Pretty tough. That's like skunk's net kind of stuff. So <laughs> that's how the, there's different ways of dealing with the security. But the reality is, is that most of what happens over Source Connect is is really benign because the inbound ports are not acknowledged. And usually, what they need is a um, what's called a, like a TCP or something that once you send an inbound message, it responds back and says yes. What can I do? And really, with Source Connect, this is taking data in. And tries to decode it into audio. And if it's not that, it's like, it's not audio. It doesn't do anything with it.
0: It's just convincing the IT departments of all these companies that right. that is how it works.
1: Because it, it would take multiple moves. You know, if, if you had another application that looked like Source Connect that was listening on the same ports, then maybe you could get some stream of data to come in and this application could do something with it. But certainly Source Connect isn't going if, to, if, if you think about the Trojan horse side of the, um, equation, Source Connect's not the Trojan horse, obviously, but right. if something yeah. looked and smelled enough like Source Connect, it could be a Trojan yeah. horse.
0: So, I, I mean, I guess for folks out there listening to this, you know, if you get an email with a very similar tone and similar messaging to what Andrew got, I think it makes sense to do what Andrew did. I think it makes sense to do your due diligence, have the machine checked make sure there's nothing going on that you're not aware of and then after that i think you just live your life exactly have backups have data backups make sure you you know you're just smart about keeping your data backed up change maybe change passwords to some of your important stuff and yep. that's about all you can really do in this world unless you're going to go live in the google opt out village which i suggest you go search for this video by the Onion News Network called the Google (laughs) Opt-Out Village on YouTube. It is
2: absolutely terrifying slash hilarious. Check it out. (laughs) And on that note, I'm going to go and Google it. Um, Well, there you go. That's another Pro Audio Suite quick bite. Hopefully, you don't get a Trojan in your laptop or anywhere else for that matter. That was the Pro Audio Suite. If you have any questions or ideas for a show, let us know via our Facebook. The Pro Audio Suite Podcast. You look for trouble. I have found you.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>